Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and I am here to chat with you about video games, gaming, news, speculation, and much more. This week, I will be talking about PlayStation 4 doubled up Xbox One, Gamescom final, expectations and guesses, Death Stranding is coming to Game Pass, and much more. A few things before we get into the show. A quick but sincere thank you to all of the Patreon supporters, and a special thanks to producer-level patron Hassan for their support. If you are interested in supporting this show, my other content, and getting all kinds of perks, uh, go check out patreon.com slash Diesel. Subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please review the show, give it a rating, give me those five stars or not. That's up to you. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, and comment down below, even if it's just to help the algorithm. But you can ask a question, give your take on something that comes up in the show, or just say hi. I don't know. Last, please join the show's Discord by clicking on the link in the description of the podcast or the video where we can talk about the podcast, talk about games in general, The Division, Mass Effect, sports, whatever you want to chat about we can probably figure out something. Gaming news, let's jump into it. Before I go further, my goal is always to do the intro within 90 seconds because I think that's like not too long before someone bounces. Let me know what you think about that. I can try to make it quicker. I can move some of this stuff around. Let me know. We're all about improving here. Okay, gaming news. So the PlayStation 4 doubled up Xbox One sales. So this this whole uh, Activision acquisition thing has been really interesting because it has basically just opened up the the books, especially of Xbox, but of some of their competitors too, where we thought... Um, you know, typically this stuff is, you know, locked up. They don't want to talk about numbers and stuff like that because they don't want to give away, you know, how good or badly they're doing things like that. But specifically because of Brazil, they have to because Brazil um, is, is going to be one of the countries that needs to approve this deal. And they do surprisingly and in, in, at least from the stereotypes or, or whatever, um, obviously you just hear about Bolsonaro and stuff like that. But they have a very transparent system when it comes to this, and that includes all this information being out there. So we've had the previous things of seeing like the statements by Sony and by Xbox kind of like ripping on each other. Um, you know, Sony trying to say why that acquisition may be bad for gaming, uh, Xbox saying why it would be good, and how Sony's being like hypocrites. It's wild. But what came out this week was um, some fairly exact numbers that showed that. Um, the PlayStation 4 sold over 100 million units, and the Xbox One was about half of that. And it's really interesting. What's it, it's it's interesting from a just standpoint of just like wow, we got some information. Interesting. Also, because I, I don't think it should be surprising that the PlayStation did a lot better than the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4. They put out a bunch of really good like banger first-party games they had a good launch 
where the Xbox One had its disaster with them trying to make it like a TV DVR and and like not focusing on the gaming and really focusing on other stuff. And Sony took advantage of that from a marketing perspective. And then Xbox through the whole gen really didn't have very many like first party bangers. I have to be totally honest. I can't think of any off the top of my head for whatever that's worth. I'm sure there was a Gears of War or two that came out that were really good. Um, but other than that, they just didn't compete very well. On top of that, both of the systems kind of sucked. Um, one thing that's been really interesting uh, and isn't talked about that much is that like the PlayStation 5 and the Series X on release were like pretty solid pieces of hardware comparable to a mid to high mid tier gaming PC and even today are still pretty competitive and will be for a while because they're using full on desktop CPUs and GPU stats and stuff like that where people forget that the Xbox one and, and the, and the PS4 were using like mobile, uh, you know, we're using, I, I think it was like laptop spec stuff. Um, it had to do with cooling and availability and things like that, that at the time, the tech just wasn't ready to make like ultra powerful systems as small as they wanted to make them. And they were better than like the cell processor and stuff like that, kind of, but uh, neither system was great. And so Xbox shot itself in the foot so many times during the Xbox one gen and before it that I don't think it's surprising that this happened. What's annoying about it is that it just, it, obviously it's going to turn into this big, uh, this console war. Like it's just like a dream thing for them, for the people who get into all that crap to be dunking on each other and doing all that crap. Right. To me, it, it's just kind of is what it is. I, I don't think it should be surprising. I swear that we heard numbers about this during that generation. Um, I thought, honestly, the Xbox One got tripled up and not just doubled. Um, so I just, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting to, to get to look behind the veil and see, you know, what's really going on back there. Um, even though I don't think this is that unique of information, but maybe it is. And um, I, what's the one point that, that's been really interesting is how um, this was brought up by Xbox in their filings by them saying, hey, how could we possibly have like a monopoly if our competitor doubled, almost tripled us up? And then there is like a little bit of a thing of like last gen. Because I have no doubt that the Sony's going to sell more consoles than Xbox again. They aren't going to double them up. Um, my guess is that they'll sell like 25% more. Maybe 50. But I think it's going to be much more competitive. Um, because neither one of them are really putting out like a bunch of banger games yet. Sony will probably do it quicker Xbox may have the longer term. We'll see. You know, it's all speculation at this point. Um, but I, you know, neither system has really jumped out into the generation and really killed it. Right. Um, 
and there was something, uh, Paris Lilly, who is all over the place now, um, I tweeted him uh, in response to something he said and said, like, you know, do you think this gen is going to last longer than, you know, a typical generation for consoles is like seven or eight years? Um, and he basically said, like, yeah, I do. I think it will. Um, and I do, too, because I think with COVID, I, I, I think we're like literally in the next year going to start getting games that we were probably supposed to get in the first year of these systems and I think that's going to set back, you know, the gens, you know, a year and a half to two years. So I think we could see a nine, ten year generation. I also think, and this is a hot take that I'll throw out that and then I'll move on to the next story. Um, I honestly don't. I, there will be a PlayStation six. No doubt in my mind. And like uh, six or seven years, there'll be a PlayStation six. I have no doubt. I don't think i think in like four or five years if that we will have the next xbox and it's going to look like a mid-gen refresh of some type but i think we're going to end up finding out xbox is done with generations and they're just going to start putting out like every four or five years a significantly more powerful system and I think that's just what they're going to do from now on, because the way they've built their infrastructure and their platform and their ecosystem is that they can basically just start releasing them like PC upgrades, like pre-built PC upgrades at a discount instead of hyping up this big, well, here's the Xbox three, you know, or whatever terrible name they'll give <laughs> whatever their next systems are. But, um, I think all of that is interesting, but yeah, this, this filing, all the stuff with the Activision deal, um, has been very interesting because it's one of the few times we've get, we've been able to see a little bit of transparency from all of the companies, not only actual numbers, but also like their lawyers opinions. And, um, it's been interesting. I think that deal goes through pretty soon. Uh, I think at least here in the States, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens like very soon, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, something else that's happening very soon is Gamescom. So um, I have some kind of final chat about that. Um, so the two parts of Gamescom I'm going to talk about is opening night live and the Xbox booth live. Um, there's some other stuff going on, like the future game show and stuff like that. Honestly, I don't expect anything of like huge note. I'm not expecting anything notable really from the whole Gamescom. Gamescom is like a a consumer show and they rarely have big announcements um especially from like the big platforms for opening night live the games that we know we'll hear something about or that we should hear something about is return to monkey island sonic frontiers hogwarts legacy the callisto protocol the telltale the expanse game uh, gotham knights and a decent number more now, what you may realize is that all of these are games that we've known about. And so I think the theme of Gamescom is going to be stuff we knew, but more. Right. And that's fine. Um, the Callisto Protocol is a game I am genuinely excited about. Um, it, it looks, you know, I, I actually was never really into Dead Space. I think when they were coming out. I was still, um, I just, I'm, I'm not into horror movies and stuff like that. So, um, it didn't really tickle my fancy. I think I'm a little more explorative if that's a word. Um, 
in my gaming that I used to be. And so something gritty and, and hard and stuff like that is something I'm a lot more um, open to these days. So I'm excited about that. Telltale, I, I'm curious about. Um, I've tried to watch The Expanse and can't get into it, but everything I see is it's like it's like a TV show of Mass Effect, kind of. And so I, I, I keep trying. So I'm interested in that. Um, Gotham Knights, a lot of this other stuff I could care less, but I still enjoy seeing new stuff about games. So at the very least, it'll be it'll, it'll be cool to see kind of what's going on. Um, the other one I was going to talk about, yeah, is the Xbox Booth Live. And so this is a weird one. So this is going to be a six-hour show. So what that tells you immediately is don't expect a big here's a bunch of big announcements condensed into 30 minutes obviously so it's what it's going to be is a bunch of long form um probably talks with devs and stuff like that about games that we know about already so um it's i saw a list you know so it's like flight simulator sea of thieves grounded and some other games um now with grounded it could be really interesting because they're hitting 1.0 soon full release so that would genuinely probably be pretty interesting sea of thieves is doing sea of thieves things uh, if you're into that that's probably gonna be really cool because they're gonna do a deep dive there same with flight sim um supposedly i think there's gonna be like information about starfield but we aren't expecting like gameplay and things like that i i'm i'm keeping my expectations low now, for the opening night live, I will be um, live streaming that. I'll be uh, co-streaming it. I applied to be an official partner, um, and I haven't gotten my uh, authorization yet, but I've been approved to stream their stuff for the last, like, six events. So I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, so I'll be doing that on Tuesday afternoon, American time. So um, keep an eye out for that. Uh, and I'm, ex I'm excited just for a show. Um you know, the, the big things coming after this is next month we're expecting, or, or there will be, I believe, a Ubisoft forward. Um, there is PAX West, like, in, like, two weeks. I'm not really expecting anything from that. That's kind of like Gamescom, where it's more of, like, a consumer show and not, like, a big announcement show. Uh, so then we have the Ubisoft show. For me, in seven day, in November... I think we'll get something interesting, but probably nothing huge. And then the Game Awards is probably the next big set of announcements we'll get. Um, and I think the Game Awards is going to be huge because so many games got pushed to 2023 and so many projects that we've probably never even heard of that are like pre-announcement uh, have probably been pushed back. And so I think the end of this year is going to be like I always think of like a two year window. So anything that's going to come out in the next two years um, could could be announced, right? And and I definitely think that we'll we'll be seeing that uh, we'll be seeing a bunch of stuff that's probably gonna be really exciting um, there in December. So so there we are. Uh, next story: uh, Spider Man PC release. So this is getting rave reviews. Um, apparently, it runs really well. They did a good job with the port to PC. This is the um, the Spider Man game from PlayStation that you know got all kinds of praise and everything a few years ago um it was recently remastered i think and then they did like the miles morales like not dlc but kind of dlc um i 
I think that that game is interesting to me because so with a lot of PlayStation games, since I don't have them, I I watch like playthroughs. I at least watch like like uh, like story breakdowns and all the cinematics and stuff because they make like great stories. Like I enjoy PlayStation games from like a story perspective. Um, I just think that their actual games can be a little samey. And the Spider-Man game is really interesting. I think that if that was a multi-plat game, um, it would have been talked about different. I think that these first-party games, especially Sony exclusives, get typically get like a benefit of the doubt right which is fine uh, you know come back to me when starfield comes out like i uh, you know it's probably gonna be getting a lot of benefit of doubt probably even from me um but what was what's really interesting is one i think the platform it's on is very kind to its its own games um for better or worse I also think that that puddle gate, if you remember that, there were like screenshots and then screenshots later or like in the first ones, like the puddles had like perfect ray tracing and all this stuff. And then in the second ones, they were like reduced and everyone was like, oh, downgrade or downgrading and it ended up not being that it was still a very good game. I think that incident really made like media and critics very kind to the game like extra because they were afraid like they didn't like the the kind of unnecessary like shade that got thrown at it so they ignored a lot of stuff because from what i've even seen and what i've seen some people comment on is that you can't hate on like an ubisoft open world and then not hate on the spider-man game um obviously it has these really great set pieces and like the the movement of spider-man is like the best any game has ever done so you can't you can't rip on that but like the actual like open world and stuff like everything outside of the story and the movement is kind of like generic ubisoft stuff right at least that's what I've seen myself and that's what I've seen people talk about. So it's kind of a, it's kind of funny. Uh, it's almost like it's like they're like people aren't like allowed to criticize it um, where, you know, it gets talked about like a 10 out of 10 where it's like probably not. But at the end of the day, that's all, you know, subjective. And so um, and at the end of the day, they ported it. Apparently, it's a great port. Um, if it's a game that you're excited about, you're into um, I'm like kind of Marvel burned out at this point. And the, from what I've seen from this game, I'm not super interested, but it seems like if you are interested and you never did get to play it, the PC release is amazing. So jump on it in a similar or at least a related story, kind of a another PlayStation exclusive is hitting PC, but it's already been on PC but it's hitting PC Game Pass. So Death Stranding was announced today. I'm recording this on Friday uh, to be to be hitting uh, PC Game Pass, I believe, on the 23rd, just here in a few days. That's wild because, you know, your first reaction is going to be like, isn't that like a Sony first party? And it's not. It's made by Kojima and his studio. Um, it's been treated like a first party game and it was only on playstation for a long time then they did put it on pc um and so it's still on pc so you're not going to be playing death stranding on your xbox unless you do some stuff but this is still weird and what's so interesting about it is it comes at the same time that there's all this conversation again back to that activision deal and all of the transparency that sony in the past and probably currently has paid 
games and publishers extra money to not allow their games to go on Game Pass, at least for a certain amount of time. And what's interesting about that is that you would think of all of the games they would have a deal like that would be Death Stranding, this like showpiece for the PlayStation. But you also have to keep in mind the Kojima factor. One, at this point, I bet not, not many people tell Kojima what he is and is not going to do. I'm willing to bet that he um, basically runs the, the meeting room when these things happen. And so I bet he just said no. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make a deal like that. I want to do what I want with my property because if you have to think back to, um, to, um, of course I can't, well, uh, metal, like metal gear and all those games that like, he basically got run out of there. And I think that that experience will make it where Kojima will never put himself in the position ever again, where someone else is telling him what to do. And I think that's absolutely the case with death stranding. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If, if Sony was like, Hey, We'll throw in this bag of cash if you promise not to go on Game Pass. And he was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm I'll do what I want. It's also worth uh, remembering that uh, Death Stranding was published by 505 Games, not by Sony, uh, not by PlayStation. And so that definitely is probably a factor in whether or not he was able to do this. So. Interesting stuff. Um, it, it's it's reminiscent of the MLB The Show situation where um, MLB The Show has was a, was effectively a first party game forever for PlayStation, um, but is actually um, is published by Sony, I believe, but uh, is controlled or it's published by the MLB. Like it's like uh, and then they like partner with Sony to publish it on PlayStation. That's why you can start up MLB the show on an Xbox and see the PlayStation Studios logo pop up. It's super weird. Um, so interesting story. Unfortunately for me, Death Stranding, even more so than Spider-Man, is one of those games where it's like I've seen the cutscenes. I know the story. I've seen a lot of the gameplay. I have zero interest to play that game, like almost like less than zero. I, I am not. Um, I, I know that there's parts of it I probably would enjoy, but that whole walking simulator thing, I am good. I will hard pass, and I will be very happy for everyone who, who checks that out. It is going to be on Game Pass, so it wouldn't kill me to start it up and check it out, um, but we'll see. Uh, the final story here I have for this part of, of the show is the Dragon Ball Z and Fortnite. And the reason I want to talk about this isn't really to talk about that. It's funny to me but like Fortnite is wild Fortnite is the type of game that if you would have told me like 10 years ago if you would have described exactly what Fortnite is today I wouldn't believe you I'd be like no that's stupid why would you be able no like yeah there's no way Kratos and Master Chief are in the same game makes no sense and Nintendo characters and Marvel and DC and like that game is wild. And even if you don't like Fortnite, cause I don't like it. I did try out the no build mode and it was really cool. I, I like that. Cause I think that's how it should be. But like, it's just, it's such a wild game and what they've managed to do with it is just like, like games shouldn't be able to do that. 
Like games shouldn't be able to be what that game is, right? And so good for them, good for Epic, as much as you don't want to congratulate this big giant corporate, you know, billion trillion dollar company who has like a weirdo running it. Um, but you know, like that game is the, is the type of game that when you were a kid, you were like, man, wouldn't it be cool if you could do this and this and play as this person and this person? And that's Fortnite. That's what they made that game. And that's just wild. So hats off to them. Hats off to those devs. Um, the, 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 the Dragon Ball thing. It, I mean, it looks, it's like Goku and some of the other people. I mean, it's from, from that series and you just play as them and you can team up with Rick and Morty and, whoever the hell else and uh, fish and go shoot things. Yep. Well, there we are. Jump in real quick over here to, uh, if you're enjoying the show so far, please consider supporting to get a bunch of really cool perks and clean merch shout outs and stuff like that by becoming a patron at patreoncom slash bond diesel. Thank you very much. Okay, the division. So we're hitting our division Mass Effect part of the show. Um, so the division uh, right now, as of me recording this, has a, a PTS going for season ten. Um, I did a video over on the YouTube if you want to check that out, kind of talking about the patch notes that they put out and the things that they're adding and the things that they've changed. Um, it seems like season ten. Obviously, I think the story content is probably going to be great because season nine was it was very good. Season 10, I'm not expecting to be like that wild um, when it comes to modes and stuff like we got with season nine with countdown, even though I still think countdown was kind of a letdown. <laughs> um, but sorry, I laughed at my own joke. I'm the worst. But it, 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 it seems like it's going to be like a quality of life patch, right? Um, where it, there is new stuff, there's new weapons and gear sets and stuff like that. Um, but more than anything, it seems like they're going to be trying to do some like PVE balancing um, and, and it's there, so you can go test it. Uh, I've seen people tweeting about it and making videos and stuff. It seems like there's a lot of stuff people are really enjoying changed. I know there's one thing that, uh, like you're going to be able to hide the specialization weapon now, which is a big thing for me. Cause I think the specialization weapon looks so ugly on our characters. Uh, you're going to be able to fully, um, customize your character now so before uh there was a big thing when the game came out you made a character and then they did a patch that screwed a bunch of people's players up but they have made you play like 50 100 or more hours by that point so a lot of people didn't want to restart their character and so they've just dealt with this ugly character for multiple years you're going to be able to change that as well as a, a litany of other things so either check out their um their, their their twitter their official site you can check out my youtube for the patch notes and to kind of see what's coming um there's things happening with the division i think that's a good thing so there we go uh, another thing that they talked about this week with the division was uh, PVP changes will be coming with season 11. They um, put out a tweet basically saying like, hey, we know PVP players have been waiting for like big updates and changes. They're playing that for season 11, which is not the next one, but the one that's supposed to drop in like December. We'll see. Um, I'm, my guess will be January. Um, this coincides with them recently also asking for people to join uh, a new elite task force or an ETF. Um, and, and it sounds like they're going to do like a PVP ETF and the PVE ETF. Uh, and so my guess is that they're going to do this PVP one during this next season and then try to implement what comes from that for season 11. Um, I, 
I commend them for trying. I I just don't think that PvP is good in this genre. And I think that the game who does it best, Destiny, um, I did a poll where I got, you know, I think a, a decent number of responses that gives a somewhat significant um, take. And that, like, I asked, I was like, well, do you think that PvP keeps Destiny alive from a community perspective? And, like, 20% of people said yes. So the game that does it the best, not even a quarter of the people that I surveyed, not that many, but still representative to a point, I think not even the, the community of that game thinks it is like, thinks it's what keeps, cause I, I see this all the time with the division. I see people say, well, PVP keeps the division alive and it doesn't, I just don't think it does. I don't think PVP can keep this genre alive. I just don't think it's that good. I, I don't think it's the problem for me is that much of the the basis of the game, like the tick rate of the servers, uh, the way movement works, the way that things are balanced, it's just not designed to be a competitive PvP experience. And so what happens in that case, in my opinion, don't you know kill me for thinking things, is it drives away people who are typically really good at PvP games. Because, but they want a competitive environment, which the division does not offer. And the division one didn't offer it. Division two doesn't offer that because of the things I said, as well as other things. And so what's left are people who enjoy the like PVP. But um, in my experience, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You can let me know in the comments or you can tweet me or something is that it leaves behind people who want to PVP, but don't want a competitive balanced experience. And I, I think we've seen this a lot, especially with streamers and content creators and stuff, but as well as just like toxic clans and people like that, it is it leaves behind this group of people who supposedly really like the PVP, but they want it to be where like they can run servers. That was a thing that was talked about a lot in Division One, and after Division Two came out, is I want to run servers. Me and my three bros, we're gonna run the server. We're gonna do four v twenty. That was the the population numbers in Division One. And my thing with that is that if you, you you could watch those streams where people were doing that or doing like two v server and stuff like that, and the problem was is that they weren't doing that by like just outplaying the other players they were doing it by you know abusing the glitches in the game by abusing um gear sets and mechanics in the game that weren't properly balanced by abusing things like the the tick rate of the servers and things like that and so you know these these people got to this point where they felt like the PVP was only good if they never died and if they could kill everyone, uh, which obviously isn't a balanced or competitive experience. And I think most of what remains of the division PVP community are people who are in that boat for the most part, at least the vocal ones um, who, if they, if they balanced PVP and made it a competitive experience, um, I, I, I don't think, I think all the people who want that are long gone. And I think the people who are left won't like that. And so they're going to have a weird, I think, situation with this, this ETF and these changes for PVP, because I think if they do what they should do and balance gear, maybe simplify things a little bit and try to make the experience more competitive and balanced, they're actually going to anger the remaining community more. Maybe I'm wrong. 
you can tell me, tell me in the comments in the YouTube video, you know, let me know, you know, rip into me if you think I'm wrong. I don't think I am. Okay. Um, and then the last thing for season 11 is, is mode speculation. So we know we're getting a new mode in season 11. No one has data mined anything as far as I know. Um, we don't really know what it's going to be. And I can't even guess. I, it's not going to be PVP. I don't think, I, I, I don't think that would make sense. Even though timing wise with these PVP changes, I, don't, I just don't think they're doing that because I think the DZ and conflict are already underused. So why would they make more content that I don't know? So I don't know, I'm curious to what you think. This is one where I really am drawing a blank. So what do you think the season 11 mode is going to be before you type anything? I'm like 99.9% .9 sure it won't be survival. So just throwing that out there. Okay, uh, Mass Effect. Um, I really don't have a ton of news uh, to talk about with this one, obviously. Um, I did do my interview with Mark Dara last week, and that is live on YouTube or all my podcast channels. Um, you can see it's a, a, a chat with Mark Dara. Um, some technical issues. I'm still figuring out how to properly do my sound and make sure I can put my guest on a separate track. He's a little quiet. That's my fault. It's still a really good interview, though. Um, I also need to learn to shut shut the f up and stop making so much noise while um, while my guest is talking. So I'm I'm trying to get better at that stuff. I have two more interviews set up already. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, go check that out. Um, I'm not a Dragon Age guy, and Mark Dara talks a lot about Dragon Age, so we covered that a little. But I did try to get him to talk about Mass Effect a lot, and he did. So I think there's lots of interesting stuff there. He um, not purposefully padded my ego a lot by me throwing out a few ideas I have for how they should handle the next game and the challenges they'll face. And he seemed to, for the most part, agree with me on stuff. So that definitely boosted my already giant head. Um, but it's a great interview. Please check it out. Um, I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, I have a video that uh, should be out. Uh, it came out, I think, yesterday. Uh, or no, it's coming out soon. I think it's coming out Saturday. Uh, it's coming out soon about my making a case for why I think the next Mass Effect needs to make canon choices from the trilogy to be able to narrow the story down so the next game can expand it again because I don't think they can do that if they try to take into account everything. I talk about it a lot. I was inspired to make the video after my talk with Mark because we kind of got into some of that and talked about what they did with Dragon Age and the differences with Mass Effect and why they're going to have to handle things differently. That was a cool part of that conversation. So I made the whole video kind of inspired by that talk. So check that out soon. Make sure you're subbed to the YouTube channel. Um, and with hiring stuff, I looked at the hiring page. There's nothing. It's all Dragon Age stuff right now. And then the two Mass Effect positions that have been up for quite a while. Um, one thing I do think is at least worth mentioning is that um, any hiring they're doing for Dragon Age right now, which is quite a bit, is is also Mass Effect hiring. Um, you know, the, the, those people are going to work on Dragon Age for the next year. They will keep a live game team that will be a lot smaller. Um, but, you know, so a lot of these people will continue working on Dragon Age. But a lot of them are going to switch off of Dragon Age after it releases to start working on Mass Effect. And so... 
um, if you're someone like me who's you know keeping an eye on this stuff or you're, you're at least curious about it, um, one, the fact that they've hired so many directors this year is a big deal for Mass Effect. And two, you know, all of this aggressive hiring they're doing in general is a good thing because there's a, I think there's a really good chance that a lot of their Dragon Age team right now is going to move straight from that game straight to Mass Effect uh, and get cracking on that, on that game for a few years. We'll see how long it takes. But so even if there's not big news, don't fret. It, it's coming, I'm sure. Okay, let's do some listener questions. If you have any gaming news stories, specific gaming topics, or questions for me to talk about in the next episode, join our Discord. The link's in the description, no matter where you're watching. uh, And ask questions in the questions or topics room in there. This week, we have Master Prime with two questions. Uh, First one is, um, is age something that affects neutral perception of gaming? Um, So what I think you're getting at here was, you know, the older we get, or do we get a little more relaxed about our crazy opinions and, and like passionate takes and stuff like that? And I think so. I think it's a big thing. I'm only 34. I know I don't look it if you were watching the video, but um, I I think that you just start like like I have a family. You have a, a wife and a daughter. I have a job. I am trying to have activities. Uh, I, I, I try to see my friends as much as I can, which when you get to be my age, isn't very often, at least not for me. So you just start to not sweat the small stuff as much, right? Because you can't, because you have so much other stuff to sweat. That's so much more important. And it's a big thing I've talked about and how I can't let games be a big negative force in my life. Like maybe I could when I was like 23 because I already have enough stuff to drag me down. Games are in my life to make me happy. And that's what it's going to be. And that's where I put my foot down and say, games will be a thing that make me happy or at least be thoughtful. And if, and if something involved in gaming makes me sad or angry or upset for the most part, I'm just not going to deal with it. It's, and that includes people. So if I'm dealing with gamers or people on Twitter, uh, I went through an exodus a couple years ago with the division two. And when people were just being, just being mean and just wanting to argue and fight over stuff that I didn't care about, I just started blocking people. I don't, I don't have a single person on Twitter muted. I block or I don't. And that's where I go. And, uh, or I, I can't unfollow. That's like a third option sometimes, but that's rare. So, yes, I do think age changes the way that you perceive games and the way that you get into it, which is really interesting for me. So some of the like most like toxic people um, I'm, I'm uh, in gaming and stuff, I'm really curious to how they age. Uh, like, are, are we going to have some like I, I'm not going to say any names, but some of these like people who make their whole thing off of being toxic gamers, um, are they going to be like 50 and still doing that? Like, man, I literally can't think of anything more sad than that. But that would be pretty fitting for most of those people. Uh, Master Prime's second question is, should more game devs ast- uh, adopt a style of telling the truth to players? The truth is a very loaded word because I think that games rarely lie, like go out of their way to be dishonest, right? I, th- I think that like uh, like No Man's Sky, for example, like like that guy who was leading up that game. I don't think he was trying to lie to people. I think he was really bad at PR. I think he should have had someone else doing those interviews. And I think he was speaking like a game developer, like 
oh, should I be able to see my other friends out there? I guess that'd be pretty cool. And, and so like, like I've seen it like in the divisions, if I've seen devs from the division say like, you know, people, someone calls them a liar or something. I've never lied. I've told you what I am trying to do, but there's no guarantee we're going to do it. So I, I definitely think like transparency should be more um, important. Um, I think maybe publishers especially should be less like eager to put like release dates on things, at least for the next few years um, and should really let their, their studios like really just work on their games and like finish them and then put them out. You know, uh, it's a wild concept. I know. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think more devs and especially publishers, I think we really need to do a better job, um, as gaming fans of separating devs and publishers. There are absolutely developers who have made huge mistakes and blunders and stuff like that. I will argue until I'm blue in the face though, that like 95% of the things that make gamers mad for one reason or another are almost always sourced back to the publisher doing something dumb, doing dumb publisher things. So yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the transparency stuff I think needs to be a lot better. And I really think that, um, there's a line where I think devs should are better off taking heat for not giving out enough information than giving out too much information that may not be true or may not come to fruition, release dates, features, stuff like that. So, so thanks for those questions. If you have any of your own, uh, please ask in the discord, uh, for content updates. And we'll start to wrap this thing up. Um, I am continuing to post things on Patreon, but I do want to kind of change that. Um, I'm going to remove the early access parts of my content. One, I don't think there's that much demand for my content in the first place. And so I think putting it out like early access is trying to create like an artificial demand that just isn't there. So I'm just going to release content uh, on the normal channels. Um, and two, it's like doubling up my work, which is the opposite of what I wanted to do. So the Patreon from here on out is going to be a place where you can get kind of like passive perks or like, so you get like uh, a special discord uh, group. When you join the discord, you um, can get like a VIP stamp on Twitch. When you come on the Twitch, if you give me your, your name on Twitch, I can, I can do that for you. Um, you get, uh, depending on the tier, you may get free merch, uh, to start off. You may get personalized shout outs during the podcast and during like, YouTube videos and stuff like that. Um, so I'm trying to make it basically as, um, easy for me as possible to, to be consistent. Um, and, and yeah, doing the whole early access thing, one, literally no one was watching it there. Um, and two, I just don't think people need that from me. Um, so think of my, the, the Patreon as a place where you can throw me a few bucks. If you don't want to subscribe on Twitch, if you don't want to do stuff in other places, you can join Patreon instead. There's a three, five, 10 and $20 tier. So, and I've tried to make each of them different enough that they seem worth it. So check it out. That's up to you. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the final thing is uh, I am trying to work on some type of giveaway for the 200th episode. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll take ideas. I have a bunch of store credit I can use with Bioware. So I may try to do another mass effect giveaway. Uh, and leading up to that, I currently have two, um, 
more interviews scheduled. The first one is with uh, George or Riley at uh, the YouTuber who used to do division uh, content and now works for Ubisoft Massive and does uh, still does YouTube stuff, but he mostly does stuff with like survival games and in, in that genre. We went to 2018's E3 together as star players, and I think we're going to have a fun chat. That chat's happening tomorrow morning, very early, um, and that will be posted next week. And then I'm going to be speaking to Kate Hartfield as well, who just put out an Assassin's Creed book um, through the same company that's doing the most recent The Division books. Um, she uh, actually reached out to me. It's the first time so far anyone's reached out to me to be on the show. It was great. I think Taylor, uh, I think Riley uh, technically did as well, but um, a long time ago. So um, I'm excited to chat with her as well. Um, I'm not super into Assassin's Creed, but I know a lot of people who I'm, I interact with are. Um, and I'm just enjoying doing these interviews with people just around gaming. Uh, and uh, I think it'll be a fun chat with her. So... Make sure to follow in all the places uh, for updates on that. Okay, let's ra- let's wrap this baby up. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast provider, and don't forget to rate if you're on Spotify or iTunes. Five stars, thank you very much. If you're on YouTube, thumbs up this video, subscribe to the channel, and leave a comment down below. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitch. You can check out uh, some the EchoCast and Bond Diesel merch at the Streamlabs link in the description below. Patreon.com slash Diesel if you want to support the show and get a little bit of stuff back your way as well. That is all I have. So until next time. I'm going to go to the next one.